and I want to welcome in uh, my brother from Baltimore and uh, you know the one that teaches me all these things that I'm trying to retain interesting segment there Don about the uh, uh, the team up near Chicago looking for the lost boy with uh, autism what were you thinking about as that that one rolled out yeah, horrible story, especially with the outcome, but it shows the power of being able to mobilize and do good for your community. Uh, again, I think stories like this, regardless of outcome, end up helping the ham community. It's just a shame that, that that's how it ended. Now, you do this for a living. I mean, you've got over 20 years of experience doing this. You don't always see the great positive results. Any advice for uh, ham radio operators that want to help? that just get that call. I mentioned this on the show uh, over the years. I remember my father was a CB guy. I was a young kid, probably eight or nine years old. There was a kid in Baltimore who went missing. And I remember us jumping in the van. This was very loosely organized. He had an Econoline van. It was black. It was beautiful. Just uh, him, me, and the CB, and it stuck in me. Um, and I think that's where it really started. But there was some communication going back and forth. There wasn't a lot of riffraff. But I remember this sort of uh, coordination. And my father was not an MCOM guy. He was a sheet metal guy. He did heating and air conditioning. But the call came out to get some help. And we took off. And it was sun was setting. And you picture the area around where the zoo is. Um, and, and back then when we were kids, a lot of people would climb up these rocks Next thing you know, they fall in with the polar bears. This is not even funny. Don could probably back this up. <laughs> we're laughing now because why would you do that? But that happened when we were kids. Um, and the polar bears are like, come on in. The water's great. <laughs> anyway, not to make light of this situation, they found this. Uh, it was a young girl. But um, talk a little bit about, I know we had some things we want to talk about for sure, but it dovetails nicely into the everyday ham who wants to help and is like, I got to go help. What are some things to think about before you go and jump in your car and, and just help? I think gear. And I want to go back to the conversation that you guys had before me when you were talking about uh, being in the moment and realizing that it's not about you. I know a lot of hams do have clothing that uh, that highlights their call sign, maybe the club they're in, and that's great. And I think that's perfect to have if that's your thing. But the reality is, is if you're showing up in one of these scenes and uh, – there's some pomp and circumstance to your arrival. You're, you're going about it the wrong way. So in my mind, I need to know what I need to have because we're a piece of the puzzle at that point. You mentioned search and rescue, another piece of the puzzle. So the jurisdiction's putting all these pieces together. I need a search and rescue team. I need the ability to provide emergency communication. So let me go to my resources. If you're on one of those teams, you need to know what you need to support the mission. So uh, whether it's portable operation or if you're even setting up uh, a little bit of a camp, say by an incident command post to be able to communicate, knowing what gear you have, uh, knowing what gear you need personally. So uh, right now, you know, we talk about Memorial Day, the gravity of Memorial Day, but we traditionally look at it as the kickoff to summer and it's a balmy 51 degrees in the mm -hmm. mid-Atlantic right now and raining. So if I'm going to be out supporting emergency communication, uh, for my local jurisdiction in 51 degrees and rain, I'm not going out there in shorts and t-shirt. And that's the, you know, a simple, a, a simple example, but, you know, knowing what you need to be healthy, comfortable and provide the service that you want to provide. 
So I'm, I'm a big gear guy, as you know. Well, let's get into the bags. You know, um, from time to time, I'll send Don a message to see what he's carrying. I think the last time I asked you about a bag, you were looking at like a sling type of bag. This was, I mean, not to say that's your only thing, but, do, you know, maybe you were packing or had a sp- specific uh, chore or thought in mind. Um, for something like this, I mean, we can break this down into multiple things. We know that it's all scenario-based. You're going away. Something big happened in the world. Let's pack a bag for a search and rescue. You're part of a team that handles emergency communications. Um, these things always seem to happen around dusk. You know, it can't happen at an at a, at a appropriate time. It's going to be when you're not ready. What do you want to put in that bag and make sure that you know, you're going to be gone for the evening, perhaps. You know you can make a run back home if you need to. What's your everyday carry bag? Yeah, that's a great question. And uh, we talked about that a couple of weeks ago. And just as a quick aside, it was funny because my son must have been eavesdropping on us. And he came in uh, after the show and he said that he wanted to build a dugout bag. I told him they're bug out bags. You're thinking about baseball, <laughs> uh, but we started that. to put one together. So he's got his little dugout or bug out bag uh, that's uh, partially equipped. Uh, but yeah, so I think the first thing I'm looking at are conditions. Like, what do I need to be comfortable? Uh, do I need a change of clothes? Do I need warmer clothes? Uh, granted, in these type of operations, you're generally cared for fairly well. So uh, the jurisdiction is going to recognize that you're out there providing a service. So as best they can, they're going to try to feed you. They're going to try to get you water, but I'm not going to rely upon that. So I might be throwing some trail mix, some snacks, a bottle of water into a bag. Uh, But then, as you mentioned, there's never a good time, right? It never happens when it's sunny and 70 degrees. Uh, So I'm packing appropriate lighting Um, I have a headlamp that I like to use sometimes if I'm walking around the woods. Uh, I have a couple flashlights that I'm very fond of that I'll take. Uh, Those types of things. But even if it does happen in the middle of the day when it's sunny and 70, uh, I'm thinking about I need to put a big floppy hat on this thing because if nothing else, uh, if I'm not reflecting the sun, I'm turning red in about 30 minutes time, sunscreen, sunscreen. it's not really a difficult problem. We just don't think about it until we're in the moment and say, oh, I should have packed that. Yeah, that's the thing. 20 minutes with this without a lid, and I'm cooked. I mean, I'm just yeah. cooked. I'm no good. I don't want to help you anymore. Sorry. I'm burnt. That's yeah, that's right. that's a good practice to put, you know, some, some small incidental things. I think that way when I'm traveling, like, out of reach, uh, like, where it's going to be inconvenient to just turn around and go back whether it's 45 minutes in the car or whatever it is, or I'm going to be gone. What, what are those items? And I encourage, and I know Don does too, you know, put your comments here. Let us know what's in your EDC bag. You know, I'm always carrying the flashlight, some sort of knife. I think that's one of the, the best tools that was ever created and going back many, 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 many years, you know, and the sunscreen, the very simple things. I've known guys that say, I'll take water with me. And that's not enough. You know what I mean? Let's talk about, I know we got so many different things we could talk about. Say you turn up, you got your bag packed up, you're all good. You turn up, you're a volunteer, the jurisdiction is in control, which we talk about. They know how they need to use your, what should a ham do um, that's appropriate and proper? You're, you're a professional at this. So you may or may not see these guys roaming up to you like, hey, can I help you? 
what's a good best practice for a fella just making a move and is able-bodied? I can help you if you need me. Where do they go? So I think there's a couple things. One, you shouldn't. Uh, well, let me let me walk this back before I say you shouldn't. Generally speaking, you shouldn't start helping until you've checked in with somebody. So your accountability is going to be important because once we have volunteers, uh, it's no different than the paid folks in the jurisdiction. We're responsible for your well-being. Uh, we're responsible for your safety. So uh, you should never show up necessarily unannounced. So if I'm a ham, and I'll, I'll use the ham perspective, uh, I'm going to come and I'm going to be an expert in my field. So I'm going to provide whatever service they need as a radio operator. Uh, I'm going to check in. I'm going to be accountable. I'm going to take direction because it's not about me. I'm providing a service. So if they say, hey, uh, what are your capabilities? Are you able to accompany this team uh, with a handheld? Uh, and I can do it, then I'm going to provide that service. Or if I can set up a portable station uh, and that's what they need, I'll do that. So I'd say the first thing, other than having the gear you need, of course, is checking in, finding who's responsible, who's in charge, uh, being accountable that you're there, and then finding out what they need you to do and providing that that expertise um, as best you can. Uh, it, and, and it's tough because, you know, especially with the, the last case, you're talking about a missing child that tugs at everybody. Uh, but I've also seen situations where you get folks in from a, a bunch of different disciplines and everyone wants to tell you how you should be doing what you're doing. And that uh, that grows old quickly. So um, be an expert in your domain, but stay in your lane and just take direction. It's not it, it's it's not about me at that point. If I'm showing up as a ham, I'm not there to run the show. I'm there to provide that service. And you don't want to be part of the problem. And like I, I think checking in. I mean, that's got to be essential. Uh, is there commonly a list of volunteers? That way, you know, Christian is here. He brought his uh, HT, his suntan lotion. He's out here. He's got a mobile rig um, and he's gone off, but he hasn't gone off missing. At least is there some sort of checks and balances as you go through the day in these situations where, OK, we've got Don, we've got Sidecar Steve, Christian's uh, here and accounted for. Is that how that works? Yeah, so uh, there's two ways, quite frankly, it could go down. So no notice event, something bad happens right away. Sometimes folks gravitate towards the scene. You might not have asked for them. That's usually the most challenging for us because then we have to figure out who we have, what they represent, and then be accountable for them. But in the case with this missing uh, child, it sounds like the jurisdiction put out the call. So I'm assuming, uh, I don't know the particulars of the story, but I'm assuming that the jurisdiction had a relationship with the local Aries group. They said, hey, we need you. Um, this is where you're going to report. Let me know who's coming as best you can. And even if you don't have names in advance, uh, the jurisdiction knows that, hey, they just put out the call to Aries. So it's reasonable I should expect Aries members to show up. Uh, once they show up, you check them in. It's, uh, it, there's a formal process in Incident Command and the Incident Command system uh, for checking in. And, and having the status of the resources that you need. So Christian shows up. I have Christian. He's got his gear. Um, I can account for what he has, and he is available. Boom. So I check the box. And then before we would either, you know, and this, of course, depends on the length of what we're trying to do, but before we'd bring even either a new group 
or we would call it quits for the evening and wrap it up in that we either found the child or or we decided it's now a recovery mission. Um, I'm going to make sure that everyone that checked in is now checking out and that especially if they've been there for a long time, they're well enough to get back because we're still responsible for you. So if you showed up first thing and you worked 12 hours and it was 100 degrees, um, I might sit you down in a cooling tent for a while before I let you go home. We need to take care of the folks that are taking care of us. So, um, But ultimately, it's going to be a matter of making sure that every resource, whether that's person, gear, or whatever, uh, that you launched out at the problem has come back in, it's in good shape, and you feel comfortable enough to send it back home. All right. Thank you for that. And uh, leave your comments below the video. That way we can uh, we can establish a dialogue, keep the conversation going. We hit a lot of special topics today. We've got gear, what's in your EDC, which is always, uh, you know, it, it varies, but people love to talk about everything that they're carrying, process, so many things to unpack here on our Hour 73 segment. Uh, I love the dugout bag. I think that that is the coolest thing. If there's a, uh, like... Cal Ripken, something can be put in there. Just a tchotchke. A bobblehead. Yeah. <laughs> the Cal it, Ripken bobblehead. Whatever works, it's got to be good luck. It warmed my heart when he said that. It was, uh, you know, how can you be mad at someone wanting to build a dugout bag? I love. But yeah, I mean, I think I think we're gonna have a chance to talk about gear across uh, many disciplines. You mentioned the EDC or a bug out bag, but even in the home, even in your station. Uh, you know, I think our last real conversation was post-colonial pipeline, and uh, maybe I'm not an expert in this, but dare I say that a, a plastic trash bag's probably not the appropriate gear for getting gas. So there's a lot of ways we can go with this. Yeah, I think that I think that's proven. I think that's a proven one now. Yeah, yeah since that time, that that use has been, already been proven not a good idea. Yeah. Well, thank you, Dom. I appreciate you being here. We'll uh, we'll come yes, back sir. and tackle some more topics next week. Seventy three for now. All right, 73, my friend. Have a good weekend. You too. The Kilo Station again, again, again. Kilo Zero Sierra Tango Hotel. You're 5'9". Right. Brothers and sisters, I believe I have found a new way. A new way for you to support the content you enjoy and the community that you find value in. It's called buymeacoffee.com. It is not a commercial. It's a new way, and I've moved away from Patreon, which is going to hurt me for a little bit. But in the long run, I believe that content creators should have creative freedom. There shouldn't be any censorship coming down from a platform in the way that you create. But moreover, on your side, do you really need to have a sign-up? Do you really need to have an account? And do they really need to take between 5 and 12% of your donations? No, I'm out. But I've moved over to buymeacoffee.com. It's as easy as that. No signups, no accounts. Give if you want. If you don't want to, give as much as you want. Become a sustaining member. It's all there, but it's new. So I'm here to tell you about that. Buymeacoffee.com slash K0STH is where you find us. And it's an easier way, a cleaner way, it seems. To support the content you enjoy. Now let's get you back up to the show. Back to Net Control with Christian K0STH. Okie dokie now. 
thank you all for your patience today. It's a lot of great topics going around and great guests. All my friends are here. We're talking about uh, what's happening. And, and you know, I got to bring in a fella here who has uh, uh, been outed, so to speak. It's our friend Sidecar Steve. Sidecar Steve is now uh, known. You see him there for the right hand. Look at the strength in the right hand. He's pulling my motorbike right across the, uh, the speedway. So Sidecar Steve, people writing in already. Where is this Sama Mama? Where is he? He's supposed to be here. And look at this. He made it into the show. Hello there, sir. Good day. The right hand. There's the right hand. Look at it. Look at that. That's a, yeah. Uh, pull the bike right through people. No, people would go off the road. It would be just a big pile of metal. Uh, I, I hope you're having a great day. Uh, thank you for your patience here as we get an hour in. And we're bringing our friend uh, Don's back. Don's back here. So many uh, questions and things to talk about. We talked about the Young Ham of the Year. You guys, of course, know each other. Uh, and uh, welcome back, Don. Unfortunately, yeah. yeah you say uh, you say <laughs> the right hand. Yeah, man, he's got that kung fu grip going, man. This could be yeah, that right hand. It's the right hand. It's just will pull so much. <laughs> we'll pull the whole thing over. Don says, "Now this is the part of the show where you want to get the children out. This is the you know this is not the yeah, it's going cut it here. Cut it here." <laughs> Cut it here. What you smoking there? Uh, uh, the kids call them the blunts, but I like. I think you like to call them um, cigars. It started out being six inches long. Um, That's what she a, said. It's a little shorter now. It's a, <laughs> it's a it's a it's a quorum. I'm not but sure honey, this is six inches. <laughs> it's a quorum. It's from Nicaragua. It's a good little cigar. It's uh, not an expensive cigar, but uh, I do like them. So. There was uh, some questions that came in, Sidecar. Did you uh, did you pull any? There were some things for Don. We... Oh, there was a lot about uh, you know with BB uh, King and then uh, and then other uh, musicians that came up that uh, people were talking about. And and for me, the, one of the impacts uh, of a musician that left was uh, was Eddie Van Halen for me. And, yeah, uh, yeah. But that yeah. that connection goes back because. We were in high school together, basically. So uh, the Van Halen brothers being in uh, in Pasadena and growing up in Pasadena, so it um, there that was the connection there because I knew them as a garage band and uh, yeah. party band before they uh, they became uh, famous as they did back in uh, in the eighties. Can't imagine seeing somebody... Eddie Van Halen in high school. I mean. Oh man, would that be wild? I saw somebody in the chat room mention Stevie Ray Vaughan. That as well. Mm. Stevie Ray Vaughan, um, yep. Such a talent. I mean, just snuffed out so yeah, Hendrix. Uh, I mean, so many of them snuffed out so young that had not even hit their their potential yet. Um, well, know, I mean, so, you know, I mean, and you I look just, at you look at Stevie Ray, and this is this is where our conversations go on the on air side. And if you have a question for Don or any of us, put a Q next to it. And then put your question in the chat, and we'll pull those up. And there was a couple I re- at least remember one. Stevie Ray, the lineage from Stevie Ray goes Stevie Ray to Hendrix to Albert King. And you can yes. see the soup, the gumbo, if you will, mm-hmm. that made Stevie. But he was an original, uh, but he played with something. And there's a great PBS show with Albert King and Stevie Ray Vaughan. And if you've never seen it, you've got to watch it because... All the great blues players, from Buddy Guy to uh, to the BB King, 
uh, and Albert King, they uh, they christened this guy. They put Stevie Ray Vaughan on this pedestal. He was a very modest kid, and his brother was a pretty good guitar player at the time. Go ahead. That was the whole thing. Is is um, he heard his brother Jimmy playing, much younger than Jimmy Vaughan, yeah. and. One day he, I think he, as the story goes, if I remember this right, he walks in, picks up Jimmy's guitar, and starts noodling on it, and it just it comes to him naturally, and and Jimmy's like off in another room going, "What the heck is this?" and walks in, and it's and it's Stevie Ray just cranking, so I believe he was self-taught. I mean, just didn't take a lesson, as I recall. It just it just the music was in him and needed to come out. And his brother said he never played the same solo the same way twice, never. and, and no. he probably was listening to vinyl records. And Stevie Ray yeah. is at the top of my... There's those classic oh, yeah. guys up there, B.B. Uh, King, uh, and then in terms of, you know, because I found him through rock radio. It was yeah. Pride and Joy, and right. as a kid, and I'm like, oh, what's that? And then you find Hendrix, or then you find yeah. Albert King, and then you go, that makes sense. Hey, someone wanted me to ask you about your voice on repeaters. Can you talk about that? Oh, the <laughs> yeah, the W4KEV repeater, and uh, that's in Knoxville, Tennessee. And actually, I, I think it's on the, uh, I don't know if it's on the whole system, but Kevin, W4KEV up there, has a, a linked repeater system all through the state of Tennessee, literally from east to west. It may be the largest uh, repeater uh, link up in the country or pretty close to it maybe not in the country but for sure in, in tennessee and maybe on the eastern half but uh, i've known kevin for a long time kevin was a broadcast engineer down here in new orleans and he said hey and again kevin's a smart ass if you if you know kevin you know he's you know he just he's, he's he ain't right boy ain't right no he ain't, he ain't no he ain't, he ain't near right I'm like we are he's right got, he's got he's got 52 cards in the deck but half of them are jokers. Yeah. Yep. Anyway, so he says, he says, "Hey, can you cut some, uh, can you cut some IDs for me for the for the repeater?" I'm like, "Sure." So, I don't know. I cut 15 or 20 of them, and uh, uh, it's just stupid stuff. Like um, the other day, my wife asked me, "What's on the TV?" I told her, "Dust," and that's how the fight began. <laughs> You're listening to the W4 KEV repeater. Another one is uh, Kevin has about as much hair as you guys do. And it's like, oh. uh, yeah, with with less coverage than the repeater owner's hairline, <laughs> this is the W4K. And that's just how it goes. It's, you know, that real smarmy. You're you on know, one of the idiotic. locals here. You're, yeah. I hear you, and I can't remember the call signs of the repeater, but I hear you. And I'm like, you just can't escape this guy. He's everywhere. Yeah, I'll, I'll do them for everywhere. anybody. Just, you know, send me an email and ask, and I'll be more than happy to cut some IDs for anything you need. Uh, I, got a, I got a request, actually, from a right. former Young Ham of the Year not too long ago, and I'm just waiting for him to, you know, send me exactly what he wants. But, yeah, no, if, if you want uh, oh, if you want Skyler custom IDs for your— for his system? Huh? Who? For Skyler? No, 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 down in no down in Houston, down in Houston. Um, ah, okay. uh, try his name will come to. I'm horrible with names, but anyway. Um, yeah. Here's another Doesn't question matter. from Pastor yeah. Joe. Pastor Joe's good to have around for me because you know I'm I'm in the basket. It's on fire. You're heathen. He You're heathen. he will light a candle. I say light a candle. Keep me on a prayer list. Whatever you good men do. He asked. Don, is that a real Panama hat? Do you know where real Panama hats come from? Yeah, I replied to that. Yes, this one is actually... Uh, my wife got me this for Father's Day about 12 years ago. 
And it used to not look nearly as good as this. One of the first times I wore it, I got thrown into a swimming pool. Oh, dear. And it, it went into the pool with me, and it came out looking like a soggy potato chip. And I didn't wear it for probably 12 years. In fact, just recently, I, in fact, I sent it, I sent it off to a custom hat maker up in, the, um, up in Oregon. His name is Art Fawcett. The guy does amazing work. He did his best to bring it back, but couldn't necessarily bring it back all the way. Also took it to a, a hat company in New Orleans to have, have done. And it sat in my in the box forever. And I started looking at YouTube videos on how to like redo hats and stuff. And so I got we have a clothes steamer and I got the steamer out and I started messing with it. And it, it actually it doesn't look too bad. But um, yeah, so this one is from Ecuador. It's a real uh, Panama hat. It's not a Monte Cristi, you know, the the three, four, five, six hundred thousand dollar hat. It's a it's a Cuenca or Quenza. It is a hundred dollar hat like 12 years ago, but it's it's nice. It was a Father's Day present. But Art uh, did a really nice custom band for me. This you probably can't see the color, but it, it just came with a just a, a basic black band. And this is like a really dark green. But what's nice about this is this is Art Fawcett's trademark is the way that he does the knot on the bow. Hmm. Cool. Nice. And very, very cool. You need to yeah, Google him because there are some videos of, of Art uh, making hats, and he does beautiful uh, fur felt fedoras and uh, custom work. And in fact, I believe he's retiring this year. But uh, just look up Art Fawcett, F-A-W-C-E-T-T, and uh, you'll find him. Good stuff. Okay, cool. Hey, uh, I wanted to ask you, um, during the pandemic this last year from hell, 18 months from hell, did you take up any new studies? Did you learn anything? Did you pick up any new hobbies? What were you up to during 2020? Well, I was working from home from, uh, from beginning in March, uh, recording commercials in my home studio for iHeart. And then in November, they decided that they did not need me anymore. They eliminated my position. So at age 60... I'm looking at a career change because there are no radio jobs. And so I am in the process of getting my real estate license. Hopefully I'll be taking the uh, licensing test in the next week or two. And I will nice. uh, transition into, uh, into uh, Don 2.0 as a real estate uh, profession. Oh, good. And the housing market, I mean, that's something else right now. Oh, People can crazy. sell their house so fast. This is a good time for you to come around. I hope you make all it's the money. Amazing. Yeah, me too. If you have a question for Don, you can uh, put Q and then put your question down in there. Uh, sidecar, did you have any uh, questions for Don that are appropriate for viewers? <laughs> Wait, hang on, let me get ready. Hang on, let me yeah, get I don't ready. know if I'm ready for this. Yeah, I got, I got my put my finger on the dump button. <clears throat> oh, ready. we'll save it for later for Don and I's special time. Yeah, yeah not not in front of the Jesus. girl. Jesus. Yeah, not, we not, don't in front, not in front of the girl. No. <laughs> and no. by girl, we mean Christian. Mm -hmm. oh, Christy, <laughs> have you, you've called Christine, me Christy yeah. before. Christine, yeah. Like, yeah. That's what I need to do. We, you need a custom ID for 100 watts and a wire. This I do? is 100 watts and a wire. Now back to you, Christine. Yeah, I don't need that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not, not going to be able to... Uh, you could bring up that. the whip. <laughs> Don, so these are how conversations go uh, during... I could bring up the uh, assless chaps. Those of you who have been oh, around long yeah. enough know that uh, there was a time I was in the chaps. Yeah. You had to be there. There are pictures. And people have done illustrations yeah. of me and these chaps. <laughs> the weirdest thing, I had to move away from it. It was getting really too weird. Uh, your chaps and my kilt. Yeah, your kilt. 
Hey, talk about uh, Hamfest coming back and your expectations for. Uh, you can kind of feel right now. Oh God, yeah. How how people just want to get back and they want to do things and they're so sick of looking at screens and Zoom sessions. Talk about your anticipation for uh, Hamfest. Yeah. You know, it's been great, you know, ha especially a lot of us working from home and maybe having the time to get on the HF radio more and make more contacts or, you know, get on Echolink or uh, D-Star or Fusion or DMR or whatever and make a lot of contacts around the world. But you know what we're missing? We're missing this. We're missing the eyeball QSO. And I, for one, am jonesing. The last Hamfest I went to was January 2020. And now here we are at the end of May 2021. And uh, thankfully, uh, the kind folks at uh, the Huntsville Hamfest are doing it August uh, 21st. And in fact, Mark Brown is uh, is actually in the chat room or was earlier. Mark is the general chairman of the Huntsville Hamfest. And he does a great job. You know, as much as I love Dayton and Xenia and Hamvention, the biggest one on the planet, depending on the year, I think sometimes maybe Japan maybe or Friedrichshafen maybe. But anyway, that's that's like the gold standard Hamvention. I think I like Huntsville better. It's easily in the top five ham fests uh, in the country. Probably, I would say, top ten in the world. I love it. I mean, I absolutely love it. It's it's in Huntsville, Alabama, which is a huge tech town. NASA is there. The Redstone Arsenal is there. Uh, that's where Werner von Braun uh, helped create the Saturn V, uh, you know, there in Huntsville, Alabama. And Space Camp is there. There's so much tech uh, in, uh, in Huntsville that it's a great town. And, of course, you can tour NASA and, and tour Space Camp and everything else. But it's just it's a friendly ham fest. That's the thing. They, they say they are the friendliest ham fest in the world. And I believe them because as soon as you walk in there, it's like there's always somebody in a green shirt that's willing to help you. And even as far as uh, as even the load in, like on Friday afternoon or whatever, Ted Randall from WTWW tells this story. One of the first times they went in there. Uh, you know, Ted always broadcasts live from Huntsville. So he's got a trailer full of equipment that he brings and he pulls in and, and all of a sudden they're like, they're unloading the thing for him. Like anything else you need us to carry? Where do you want us to put this Ted? Uh, and it's just like, Ted didn't have to lift a finger. Nice. It's just, they did everything. And that's the way that they are. They're all like that at Huntsville. It is literally the friendliest ham fest on the planet. And it's one of the best. The thing I like about it is everything is in the, the Von Braun convention center. And everything is under one roof. The dealer show, the flea market, everything is under one roof. And this year, they have expanded to where they have the entire hall because they're expanding um, the spacing because of COVID-19. There will be 12-foot-wide aisles at Huntsville this nice. year. And you know how tight sometimes ham fests get, especially big ham fests where you can't, mm -hmm. you're trying to walk down the middle of the aisle and everybody's standing in your way because nobody can see past the end of their nose and just everybody's just taking up their own little space with no regard for anybody else, which is a pet peeve of mine. Take your conversation over to a corner. Mm -hmm. yep. You know, get out in and front of the boat anchor. I'm thinking about lying. Because they're right? looking exactly. down. Looking well, with 12-foot aisles, yeah. And with 12-foot aisles, you're not going to have that. It's going to be so much space. The flea market is uh, amazing. It's not nearly as big, of course, as, as Dayton, but it's a really good high-tech flea market. There's a bunch of cool stuff there. I love it. I love everything about the Hamfest. And what else is nice about it is the convention center, the Hamfest site, is attached to the host hotel, the Embassy Suites, via a sky bridge. So if you're staying in the embassy, and it's sold out now, by the way. You, there are no more rooms left at the embassy. Hmm. But if you're staying at the embassy, you don't even have to leave the hotel. You get up. 
and get that, dressed. And that's you where you're from, Don, over at the bar in the embassy. Yeah, yeah. There, well, there are a lot of us down at the bar uh, in the embassy. <laughs> a lot of us. So but, you don't uh, even have still... to leave the air conditioning. Oh, you don't. No, you don't. No. Uh, there are three. Ho- there are three hotels listed on the Hamfest website as far as lodging, and and the the third one. Uh, still has rooms, to my knowledge. It's uh, I can't remember the name of it, but it's the third one in the, in the list. But hamfest.org is the name of the website for Huntsville. It's the easiest hamfest in the world to remember, probably outside of hambention.org. Hamfest.org, uh, go and uh, check it out. And by all means, um, wherever you are in the country, it's worth the trip to Huntsville. It really is. Love Huntsville. I can't wait to go and, and see uh, people. There's going to be a lot of of uh, ham radio YouTubers at, uh, at Huntsville as well this mm-hmm. year. So, Question in from our office in um, Amsterdam, I believe the red light district. Don, do you do CW? And if so, what key is your favorite? I learned CW. Uh, I, um, I got licensed when the CW requirement was still in effect in 95. And I got my five word a minute and I was studying for, um, for my tech plus. And I was studying uh, to try to get up to the 13 for general, and I hit that wall at 11 and uh, just kind of stuck there. And then when they eliminated the CW requirement, I went ahead and uh, continued on via the no-code route to extra. So I don't do any CW. I do have a a really nice iambic keyer. I forget the the brand. It was a kit that I bought at at Dayton years ago to kind of give me an incentive to – to go out and actually uh, um, get more proficient at code, which one of these days I'll try to find the time to do that. It's like everything else, you know. You either have time or money. You never have both at the same time. So, well, here's your um, opportunity. So I Don. don't have. I don't have a. Uh, what's that? Oh, I know. I know. The CQ right World. What I was looking at that last night. Oh, I know. Man. It's crazy. It's crazy. That's yeah. And 20 they said, meters and, right now. Yeah. So. And, yep, and they exactly. said eliminating the CW requirement would kill code. Yeah. It's nope. more popular now than so. it ever has been. Yeah. So I'm that's that's something I'm working on is uh, is doing the code, getting in it and getting on CW. I'm working on that. Well, this is the portion of the program, and uh, Don will hang out with us here. We'll, we take a few questions each week for Sidecar Steve. He doesn't want to know what the questions are um, ahead of time. So uh, the disclaimer is if we don't know or he's thrown, we'll go and do a little research for you. But yet. Yeah. I think he has got them all Are you right. You're going to get a twofer for Memorial Day weekend. Both Don and I can answer it. Yeah, I'm here and too. Remember, I'm just, remember, I'm just sitting here. If you're typing questions in the chat for Sidecar Steve, remember, type slow because he can't read fast. <laughs> you heard it here first. <laughs> you heard it here first. I'm not sure what that was. I'm going to get sued. This is. I knew this was not good. Question number one. We're just getting warmed up. Just getting warmed up. This will be the stream uh, that goes. And once Don's cigar goes, then we'll know it's uh, it's over. Thank you for joining us for the last episode of 100 Watts in a Wire. Right. Favorite method of hanging antennas in trees? Ropes is, uh, but yeah, just throwing a rope over a branch and everything. But uh, my favorite method is, yeah, you get the rope over it, but then with the rope there, you have a pulley at the end of the rope so you want to keep and then the the pulley will then have the wire antenna itself or the support uh, rope for the uh for the antenna and that way you can take some weights and uh and that way when the tree sways in the breeze then the antenna will 
won't take the brunt and uh, snap. Christian is uh, knows very well back in the day of uh, not using weight uh, pulleys and weights and had, has learned like all of us yeah. have. And uh, so that's the method I like to use is just to have a support rope that supports a pulley, which in yeah. turn, then your, uh, your wire antenna. How are you getting that rope then? over? What's your method for you? Um, I know you don't I, use trees, but what, what would be a favorite for you if you had to hang a, a rope in a tree? Is it fishing line? Is it, I've used a lug nut and a fishing pole uh, with some 10-pound test, and I just flip it up and over. But now I have a new secret weapon that I I haven't tried yet, but I'm going to do it the next time I need to hang a wire in a tree is I'll use a drone to uh, pull up a, a fishing line and then get that up and over the tree and then on the other side. So I'll tell what you what do you think, I, use, I have a, uh, I have a, 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 like a seven foot fishing pole, I think six or seven foot. Um, it's got a spinning reel on it. And I took a golf ball, drilled a hole through the middle of the golf ball. And I tied the fishing line to that. And I, I can, I can get really good height and fairly good accuracy. And it's a lot easier to see than a lug nut. And plus, mm-hmm. it doesn't have any sharp edges on it. So if you get the lug nut caught, it's not going to cut the line like the threads of the lug nut would. Uh, and then when you, uh, you know, when the when the golf ball drops down, you tie a small line to that. Just put that line right through the middle of the hole of the golf ball and tie it off and pull it right back up. And then you can pull your heavier line. And I don't mm-hmm. use the uh, I don't use the pulleys. I really should. Most of these all these antennas that I have up here are wire antennas and they're all hung from trees. And the pulley is really, really good because eventually, and ask me how I know, the support line will grow into the bark. And then the wind will how come up. Know? And then it will <laughs> pop your wire. And then, mm-hmm. you know, you got no way to get that wire back down. And so now you got to make a new piece of wire. Uh, and so, yeah. But uh, I, I need to do the pulley, the pulley method. I've actually got like 40 feet of tower here I need to put up one of these days. That goes back to the whole time and money thing. You have one, you don't have the other. But I really like the golf ball uh, on the end of the fishing line trick. It works really well. Just drill a hole, like That's a little eight-inch hole right so. through the middle of it. Yeah. I, yeah, I a, use a lug nut because I am a lug nut. So, you know, the two well, go we, together. We that. Yeah. Yeah, they're close by. He carries them in his pockets. Yeah. I, I've used a couple of different methods. I like the fishing pole. I had a big bay rod. You know, these are the ones that, that have about this much of a handle yeah. uh, below the uh, the reel. And I modified it. And I got so good at hanging antennas. But as uh, Steve brought up a sensitive topic years ago, I would uh, tie these ends off like guitar strings. I had no... And they bang, bang, yeah. pop, and I was getting Chris so frustrated. Going for a high C, and it was kind of like high. Oh, C they looked beautiful. And, they looked so and great. great. And I would go away in a rain. I'm like, what am pop I doing? Right. Yeah, yep, exactly. But I use a fishing pole. I modified this bay rod, and I use you know nuts, whatever I can find to throw over, um, and it's enough. I got so good at it when I would go fishing. Right, right in the fish's mouth. I I was really good. And sadly, it was just because I had made so many mistakes. I never had any success with the uh, slingshot. Uh, My early Elmer had one, and he he got so frustrated with it. He brought it over and got frustrated, and I was like, I guess I won't mess with that. 
because he that had... was another method I did was with a slingshot and the lug nut being the lug nut that I am mm-hmm. was uh, took like a, a bass rod and just took, uh, broke it down in half. I had my son hold the uh, the fishing rod and the bait reel, and then I would take the uh, slingshot with the lug nut and then try that, and uh, that seemed to work out pretty good. But you got to point it in that direction and. Uh, the key was using a 10-pound uh, test uh, line. You don't want to go anything heavier than that. Right. And then right. it was slowly pulling everything back, and then snap. It's like, son of a mama. Hey, you know those. Gotta... start all over again. So we've gone gotta... through, you know, various iterations yeah. over the years. Mm-hmm. I've got a funny field day-related antenna hanging story since field day's coming up. Uh, this is several years ago. It was at uh, the local club field day, and uh, – uh, Steve Calcagno, N5SC, a dear friend of mine. He and I first went to Dayton together in 99. That was our our, uh, our first trip. And we're going to hang up a, uh, it was a G5RV or an off-center fed dipo, whatever it was. And we nobody brought a fish, nobody brought a, a fishing pole. Nobody brought anything, slingshot, anything else to put it up there. So Steve's like, what are we going to, we got to have some weight. So Steve goes over and he picks up an unopened jar of pickle relish that we had for the for the hamburgers okay and he ties the line around the the neck uh just under the cap that indent indentation in the pickle relish and he we're in a park okay and there's a jogging path around the park and i think you know where this is going as i mean steve picks out a tree and he like he hums it and i mean as soon as one of those things where as soon as as soon as it leaves his hand it's like it's like hitting a hitting a home run in baseball as soon as you hear the crack of the bat you know it's going over the fence as soon as it left his hand, you could see the arc, and it went straight up and straight down and, like, right in the middle of the jogging path. And just, <laughs> <laughs> so, well, that worked real well. Are you going to try the mayonnaise now, Steve? What? Yeah, right. you know, but, yeah it was just... Condiments. Condiments. Yeah. Let, Another um... one was hanging, hanging wire antennas. Uh, you know, how many extras does it take to put uh, a wire antenna up in a tree? Uh, in a thunderstorm uh, on an aluminum ladder, uh, two. And thankfully, they're both still here. But don't try that. We we did that too. I think we probably all have. This in oh. from the uh, the man of the cloth, uh, the one who gives us some sort of weird moral ground uh, to stand on. Say, he's calling you this. You got to be careful, the man of the cloth. But I I do like that song. That's actually my, my wife and I's, uh, our favorite song because on our, the family compound here uh, are the in-laws. So I've got my brother-in-law over here. I've got my mother and father-in-law over here. So it's, you know, clowns to the left of me, jokers to the right. Here we are, stuck in the middle stuck with you. Stuck in the middle with you. I do like that song. <laughs> I do too. Love All Jerry right. Rafferty. Next question is, where should the ARRL focus its attention in 2021? Any thoughts about? Uh, oh, man, oh, we got a new we got new leadership there uh, now. Um, mm-hmm. I go back to the youth. I mean, if we don't yeah. bring new blood into this hobby and modernize it, there won't be a hobby. So that's where I go back to. I think the ARRL should focus on uh, uh, learning how to attract more youth into this hobby, and uh, uh, you know, it's it. I think it's still seen as a, a, an old man's hobby. You know, you you. Oh, yeah. You, you picture, you you know, you mention ham radio to someone like, oh, is that CB? Or if they know what it is, they're like, 
oh yeah, my grandpa did that. And they, uh, to me, it's like they, they envision some old guy hunched over a Morse code key with a big tube type radio tapping out Morse code. And, and it ain't that way. I mean, you know, we're the Down most high tech hobby. I yeah. think. Yeah, exactly. And uh, you got to let them know all the tech and uh, get them off their cell phone and, uh, you know, figure out a way. That's that to me yeah, is the key I, is bringing youth and yeah, we, we definitely need to um, focus on the youth, kind of get in and find uh, use the avenues that the youth are using today and kind of go into that ar- arena. Right. Social media, sp- right. spend right. a little bit more time into that. Us old farts, you know, hey, we're just kind of we're, you know, we're here. But, you know, speaking about youth, I, I just came across uh, a, a video from uh, uh, KD9LFZ and her and uh, KD9ORR did a Parks on the Air activation. They did a YouTube video. Su- just super enthusiastic. They're just having a good time. Got out there with their G90 and uh, was just having a great time making uh, contacts from a park and freezing their tails off and things like yeah. that so i mean we could, i think the league needs to focus in on that they already have us in the league already so we need to to keep the hobby going they're representing us in the hobby they need to you know foster it and in the end it becomes you know more membership for them so, but you know it's uh, it, it it's not it's 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 not just that we need to get the league to focus on it. We all as individuals mm-hmm. and clubs need to do the grassroots thing and focus on it as well. Um, one of the clubs here in New Orleans uh, set up a uh, a really nice ham radio display at a mini maker fair several years ago, and that that was one of the things that that. Uh, you know, the uh, Dayton focused on makers several years ago, mm-hmm. but get into that, go to the, to the schools and get into some of the STEM programs like robotics and things exactly. like that and show them that, you know, what you can do with ham radio, you know, it's like, Hey, you can use amateur radio frequencies to control your robot. Um, there's a million different things you can do with ham radio besides getting on a mic and saying CQ, CQ, CQ and trying to talk to Antarctica. Um, well, the, the other thing is, is like with uh, robotics, I mean, they're using Wi-Fi, so 2.4 uh, gigahertz. Yeah, a lot is, of them are, so, right. But uh, guess what? If you have your ham license, now you can run higher power, which higher means power. your robotics can That's be farther right. away instead of being, you know, up close. And uh, now you can and start uh, the possibilities go on beyond that. And even in the 5.8 gig. which is uh, there's the unlicensed portions. There's also the licensed amateur portion. So now you can run higher power, which means your robotic devices can be farther and farther away. And And all you got to do is name that SSID as your call sign. And that takes mm -hmm. care of the, the, uh, the, the station ID part of it. Exactly. So Uh, exposure, exposure, I think is the big thing. Uh, We found it through exposure and you know, you, we got to find that clever way to get in front of the the kids and to show them, you know, and we've got a great history to build off of too. We can say, Hey, you like the television, right? Guess what? Mm -hmm. Hey, you like computers, right? Guess what? You like cell phones. Guess what? Guess who was responsible for helping bring all this sort of get you. You like the Mars exploring stuff you interested in. So there's so many ways. Uh, if I, you, you mentioned bringing up, um, field day. One of the things I get kind of 
about is the way we present ourselves during field day. There's like our talking points, these standard talking points. We get this television time, which the three of us know, and everybody would watch this, would know how much it costs to get any ad time on television. You get two or three minutes to talk about field day, and I think we're stuck in this rut. Oh, Mm -hmm. and all, you know, we got to get, we got to expand our message a little bit better uh, in in how we present this package because you could drop in 1986 anything that they were doing back then with what they did this year or last year it's pretty much the same kind of messaging and they got to say is this working and that's not just the league that's radio clubs how are we handling mm-hmm. uh, showing people around the get on the air type of, of stations and it's not a rant I just think that we need to freshen it up a bit freshen up our approach uh, to exposing these uh, these people and their parents, which are, you know when oh, yeah. have the money, any thoughts on that, Don? No, I completely agree with you. We've got to got to find a way a to make it interesting to them, uh, to where it dovetails into what they're doing uh, on a day to day basis with you know video gaming or whatever. And um, Jerry Ellsworth uh, is working on. She's a very prominent ham. She has a, a company called. Um, oh, what's that? Oh, she's so smart. Just, I know you're talking. Something five. Something five. Uh, something five. Anyway, it was on. It was on Ham Nation. Uh, go back and rewatch Ham Nation from last week. Uh, mm-hmm. We have uh, Jerry Ellsworth on there, and she is working on some VR goggles, where it actually lays out in 3D on a table in front of you or up on a wall screen, and she's working on applications for Ham Radio for that. And uh, if you can show something like that to kids and, and say, hey, you know, this would be really, really great for your Xbox or, or, or whatever. But here's what you can do with ham radio with that as well. Uh, you know, you want to you want to reach out and, and talk to a country or whatever. You reach out on this map and you touch that country and your antenna moves and your radio tunes to it. And you're right there. And there's mm-hmm. you know, there's a million different applications for that. Uh, but, well, just uh, think yeah, about yeah. wearing the VR goggles and you're sitting there. uh like working the uh, the DX, uh, the DX contest right now the, right, with exactly. CW, and you yeah. now have that pan adapter all in front of you, and all you got to do is just reach your your finger. Okay, reach I want to work that station. Boot, Touch everything's that signal and through. bang, you're there. Yeah, exactly. And and then boom, 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 and you could be right. sitting in your living room or on your back deck like you are, and uh, and the radio's doing everything, and you're just working the contest. I mean, because this is something exactly. that the youth love. They love the competitive yeah. sport. And getting into it, look at some of our our young ham of the year uh, recipients yeah. like Marty Solowick. Yeah. I mean, he, big yeah. contesters and all the other huge uh, youth that are just big into contests because they love that competitive sports. Yeah, mm-hmm. we, you know, the, there's guys talk about it. Oh, the contesters are, you know, screwing up the bands for us on the weekends and this and that. But you know what? It's it, there's people there. That's their focus into the hobby and that which is great. And this is a great way to get them in, and then in between contests, then they can start, uh, you know, exploring in depth more of the hobby here. And uh, but we got to get yeah. that hook to kind of bring right. them in. And uh, contesting robotics, um, I think FT8 is a great mode. Yeah. It's one of the yeah. digital modes because a lot of youth like to operate uh, through, you know, keyboard to keyboard. How about having an app that you can, mm-hmm. from your cell phone, that you now can operate FT8? And there, there has to be yeah. one out there. I haven't looked into it. So it, yep. there's all kinds of ways. Uh, and getting back, the to the, getting back to the grassroots effort, um, 
talking about robotics and stuff in, in the schools, not only robotics, but uh, I mean, you know, the robotics is great for controlling their robotics, but get into like your your uh, junior ROTC programs and maybe you can talk about MCOM and uh, and how that might dovetail into what maybe they might be doing on drills or whatever. Um, there's a bunch of different ways to to get in there. You know, the science class, maybe show them that, hey, we can uh, try to set up a, 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 you know, a space station contact or at the very least, we can go outside with a, a handheld Yagi and a, and a handheld and make satellite contacts, mm-hmm. you know. So there's there's a bunch of different ways that you can, I think, attract youth into the hobby. You just got to think about it. Yeah, I tell my kids we'll be out there in the old shed, which I plan to do again again this weekend. Daddy's not plugged in to anything. I'm not plugged yeah. in. You know, there's no lights when it gets dark here. There's no lights here, but there could be. I'm not plugged in. I'm going to make this contact, and I'm going to talk to somebody in even Minnesota. The yeah. fact that you're not, you know, you're and they're just sort of exposed to it. They may not go to it. It's just like jazz. Uh, you you got to expose people to Ellington, and if they don't dig it, okay. But at least you were exposed to jazz, and you right. don't have to love it if you don't want to. But right. they, yeah, maybe 10, 12 years down the road, they might, you know, they'll hear yeah, Ellington sure. again, and then it's like, oh, I remember hearing that, and then uh-huh. then uh, that will, you know, continue on. It's like, hey, my grandfather was a ham radio operator, or my dad yeah. was a somebody yeah. in the family, and it just... It's, it's that seed that, you know, we talk about. Right. You plant the seed, and then you just keep watering it, and eventually the seed will grow. It might take a few years, or or it might not happen, but at least you're planting the seed. Yeah, and you got to figure out what the gateway drug is. Mm-hmm. For me, 40 years ago, it was CB radio. For Christian, it was CB radio. Probably for you too, Steve. For those of us yep. in, in this generation, I'm 60, um, it was CB radio. Well... That's probably not an option now, especially, you know, they don't even know what CB radio is anymore, but you got to get them where they live. And that's the whole uh, video gaming. And, uh, you know, another great way to uh, do that is set up a set up a hotspot, uh, a D star or a DMR hotspot or something and uh, go in there with a handheld radio on a tenth of a watt and say, you know, I can talk around the world with this because it's tied into the Internet. Oh, the Internet. Mm -hmm. I like the Internet. I can do that with the internet. Yeah, you can do that and a whole lot more with ham radio and the internet or whatever. It's you got to figure out what the gateway drug is and get them hooked. Yeah, and challenge them to make it better. Even the ones right. that are like, you know what? This is comes back to young the uh, young ham of the year award. Is okay. You you see this technology is pretty cool and it holds up and it it still does what it was intended to do and more. And for the ones that are like, ah, that's old fashioned. I got my phone. Yeah improve this improve right. it you see it's cool what can you do with it now and i think that fits into the young ham of the make year those and, kids and are going for it. without the internet you know the that's ones that are challenge. like you know what would be cool you know what would be cool and build on it because that's how television came to right. be that's how this right. came to be the phones and all right. that anyway right. you can do all, th- this, do all this with ham radio through the internet but here let me show you what happens when the internet goes down right now here's here's what you can do without the internet oh exactly this out yeah Yeah. okay you're welcome league i'm glad we could solve that problem for you and uh (laughs) just next next problem here's one talking about the science of things um then i'm not sure that i i i'm not qualified for this but why does height change the swr readings on antennas i know 
I can just say that when I'm at 25 feet and I'm portable, which is a good height for me, I think I can go out there. I'm comfortable putting up the mast, tying it up, putting up myself. I have to tune that antenna, though, to reflect that height. I'm up at 50 feet here at my house. That's a kind of different ballpark. These two are going to play differently. Why is that, Steve? Yes, because it's a reflected, uh, your signal is being reflected from the ground. So that's right. why when we have a low antenna, we have the the NVIS antenna is that the your your signal is basically being reflected off the ground, and uh, and standing wave ratio is a relationship of your forward power and then power coming back. It's uh, it's even though your antenna is tuned perfectly, it's still going to see a some power coming back. Now to have it to where it's going to be completely non-transparent you got to put it in the null which is one half wavelength or any multiple of that so half wavelength full wavelength that way you won't see the ground reflection because now your rf is sitting at a null but when you have it lower or higher your ground effect is going to have some some effect on your swr and then then you kind of tune it to kind of counteract it and uh take it out so that's pretty much the i mean the simplistic form of it there's other factors but uh for the most part it's your it's you're seeing the ground effect of uh, the height of the antenna versus you know frequency and everything so don is swr the boogeyman should we be as worried as we are and obsessed about swr uh you know i'm not an antenna theorist i can spell math uh, most of the time correctly um, so I'm not I'm not a big antenna theory guy. This is more of a, a question for Steve. But in my experience, um, SWR is uh, I think a measure of efficiency, and also mm -hmm. uh, lower SWR protects your gear because that power going back in has to be dissipated somehow, and it's going to be dissipated in heat, and heat is the enemy of electronics. I think you got to worry more about the impedance match. If you have a little bit of SWR, but you've got a really, really tight impedance match on a tuned antenna, then the SWR will probably follow the impedance, although not mm -hmm. always. But I think that's what you really need to look at more is the impedance uh, rather than just strictly do I have a flat SWR. Sidecar? The they're related, yeah. but yeah. They're, they're related. So so back in the day when you're using tube uh, equipment, well, we had a tube final, like in your amplifiers or, or even the radio or even these guys behind me, the, uh, oh, let's go this way, you know, yeah. the, the Collins here, they were a little more forgiving with uh, SWR. They could, they could handle that because that, as, as Don pointed out, you know, that power that's coming back down into your transmitter is going to be dissipated in heat. And uh, so these radios are a lot more forgiving versus this radio over here. And uh, so one of the things that uh, the modern radios have is that when it starts to see more power coming back to protect itself, it will start reducing your output power. So instead of having 100 watts out, it will start to bring it down to 75 to 50 or even 40. To, it could even get to a point where it's just going to say, I'm done. I'm, yeah. I'm not going to transmit anymore. I'm just going to uh, turn off the p output power just to save, save the finals. It's a, pr a protection circuit. Right. So today, yes, SWR is um, a 
a little more critical and it, it comes down to what your radio sees not right. and as don pointed out it's going to swr really you need to look at swr at the feed point and yes. uh, your standard dipole antenna feed point is 73 ohms 72 73 ohms the cable we feed is 50 52 ohms so right off the bat right in the right at the start you're going to have a 1.5 to 1 swr just with your standard dipole but then we we counteract it and uh there are ways to figure out how to what your true swr is without having to be up at the antenna at height and that goes by um half wave multiple multiple half wave lengths of your coax factoring in your velocity factor so <laughs> there's there's some math in there and i don't want to you know blow don's head up because we don't want to talk about math you know he's he's starting to learn about you know interest compounded daily and all that other stuff so does he owe you money what that's a that. weird we, reference we, we do wanna, you owe him you know, money overload him with that's, that listen the studying for the real estate stuff the the <laughs> no. uh the the license you know the the all the contract stuff and everything else that's not difficult to me but there are like 23 different um math formulas that i need to know as far as interest uh you know prorating um taxes that are paid in advance or paid in arrears and not not the least is figuring out what my commission is going to be on this on the sale of you know i mean there's so much math that i'm actually studying right now that it, it does it, it it makes my hair hurt so um yeah <laughs> So, yeah, it, to go back to the question, yes, SWR is a little more um, sensitive these days because of our radios. We have better yeah. understanding of it. Uh, yeah. I mean, back in back in the day, we just threw up antennas and it was like, well, does it work? Mm -hmm. And it's like, right. and when you really looked at it, it was like, good God, you got a 10 to 1 SWR rate. Uh, and it's like, well, I don't care. I'm still making the contact to the guy, you know, across the, you know, on the other side of the world. But yeah, you know, we didn't factor in propagation at the time in the '50s when it was super great, and uh, and it didn't matter if you threw out a milliwatt, you still was, you know, making the contact with Antarctica because the propagation at, was good. And look at look at the, the the difference between those those tube type radios that you have and today's solid mm -hmm. state stuff. The tube type radios generate heat they have to be hot to work mm -hmm. those tubes exactly. have to be hot to work and you know a lot of heat hundreds of so degrees what's a little bit more, <laughs> what's a little little bit more? more. exactly they're what's already hot so yeah another 30 40 degrees 50 degrees isn't gonna make that much difference but you start putting another 40 50 degrees into a trans a transistor a final mm -hmm. transistor that's already probably you know 150 degrees on the outside now all of a sudden that thing's burning up because uh, yep, they just the, exactly. the, the physical size and just the makeup of, of how those things are made versus you know pieces of metal in a vacuum with a with a with a, a heating element in there, um, yeah, big difference between the tube type radio and the and the solid state radio, and that I think is is uh, probably the, the biggest limiting factor of solid state stuff. And we're having a better understanding of things, right? We're computer yeah. simulations, a better technology, and measuring. Uh, measuring uh everything so yeah. it's you know dr bob taught me that a uh you know dr bob uh heil in the early days you heard of him and uh uh i've spaced on his call k9 eid right EID. Yeah. Uh, yeah. the dyslexia bob heil. bob heil that's all you need to say 
I asked him about this one time back in the early days, and he talked about that 10 to 1 and the old boat anchors and how that they were very forgiving. And he's basically like, you're not going to blow up your old boat anchor at 10 to 1 SWR. But the solid state rigs, and I had the Drake TR7, which he advised me on back then and getting that, you know, that was different. That it was like you need to be down between you know, uh, three, three to one and down two to one and down. If you can, yeah. of course, one to one is going to be your perfect spot. But I was like, wow, man, this, uh, 10 to one life you used to live, you know, because I wanted, I wanted a Collins radio, like that's behind sidecar Steve back there. And, uh, he was like, you need to be really handy with yeah. that. Cause there was another guy locally that had a full line and it was a good price. And when I say a good price, I think it was like, Fifteen hundred dollars. Imagine buying a seventy-three hundred or the new Yesu or Kenwood radio, and you know you're in that ballpark, full line like what's behind Steve. Knew the owner, and I was like, man, I could save up. He's not trying to. And Bob was like, you need to be really handy. Those are great radios, but they would break, and you yeah. would need to know how to fix them, or you're off the air for a long time and looking mm-hmm. for someone. And I went toward a uh, solid state, the uh, TR7 which I still have, but that conversation came up of the differences, like we talked about today, and I thought, 10 to 1. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, well, the I other thing... I had a 500 CX think. for a while, and mm-hmm. uh, that was that was very fiddly. Uh, it was, you know, it was a great radio, but you had to, you know, adjust the plate and adjust this and adjust that and just everything else, and you couldn't just, you know, punch a button to go from 20 to 40 and hit the auto-tuner. Right, uh, no. you know, it was, it was fiddly, and you got to you got to learn how how to read those meters and know what all that stuff means. I'd love to have another. Mm-hmm. I, I sold it because it was, I just I wasn't ready for that at the time, and I, and I really hate that I sold it. I really would like to find another one of those. All right. So the the, uh, the other thing that these older radios had, they had what they call the Pi Network, which was mm-hmm. the, uh, it, and if you look at the Pi Network in an old tube typed radio, it's exactly the same of what's in your tuners. It just, you had it built in. Every tube-based radio had a Pi network in it. And uh, so you had this wide-range tuner that uh, you were able to to tune your whatever antenna you were using or light bulbs that were, uh, was your dummy load. And and you just uh, went from there. So it's, uh, we, you know, the first generation of solid state radios didn't have built-in tuners. And then you have to have your external tuner where this radio had it built in. And then now the newer radios have a uh, limited range tuner in it, uh, which will only take about three to one because of it's due mainly to size and component levels and things like that. So they could get, get away with it, but then the radio will have to get bigger. So yeah. And more expensive. Yeah. Very good. Hey guys, uh, make sure that you put the, um, the nomination form in for the young ham of the year. It is at arnewsline.org. I know, you know, somebody who you've been around and we're like, wow, that's a next level. That's what Don and that committee and Amateur Radio Newsline is looking for, rewarding um, those young hams that are really uh, moving the ball forward in terms of this. Mm-hmm. And Don mentioned last week, just because your seven-year-old is an, uh, an extra mm, may not uh, be what puts you over the top. It's not a race uh, to get your extra. It's, it's how are you innovating. It's what you do with that license, yeah. Yeah. 
And so, then look at what these kids are doing and how they're going. I mean, just right off the bat, let's look at Chris. We just talked about Chris. Uh-huh. He's getting his pilot's license, which is a is not a easy feat to do. He's going to yeah. St. Louis University and coming that. You got Skyler, that was a, another young ham of the year. Where he's attending. I, I think he's probably going to be graduated or just about to graduate from uh, the University of New Mexico. He's uh, yeah. continued on. We got Marty Soloway, who's gone on and uh, done some great things. And so, and there's others. And I'm just naming three. Just right Pat- off the. Patrick Lissandru from a several years ago, is working at SpaceX. There you go. There it is. Yeah. And then That's what we're talking about. And then probably one young, the youngest ham, Neil Rapp. Look at Neil, what he has done from being the youngest ham yeah. many, many years ago to being an educator and teaching right. our youth. and Chemistry uh, teacher, yeah. Exactly. So we keep... The young ham of the years. These kids are our future. Like you said, is is in is well taken care of. We got some great young people that are going to keep the hobby moving forward, yeah. and uh, we just need to bring on more. And uh, you yeah. know, kids like uh, Elizabeth here, this uh, KD nine LFZ, making uh-huh. YouTube videos, and just going out there having you know enjoying themselves and being and having fun, and. Uh, they're all around us so yeah get the nomination in get it yeah. uh, to don and those guys and that way because uh, we need to keep this going because I'll, I'll tell you a little story here growing up in in the la area i got to know bill pasternak a little bit and uh, i was at some ham fest or something and bill sought me out and i was probably 17 18 at the time and this was in the mid to late 70s, uh, yeah, mid 70s. And uh, and he was that he was interested in the youth. I mean, I w- just happened to be there and he came around and started talking to me long yeah. before, you know, I knew of him as, as Westlink and everything and working at KTTV and uh, and his normal job. But th- Bill was very passionate about the youth and the hobby. And that yeah. was before the young ham of the year. And uh, so it's this is something that has been uh, dear and near to, to that man's heart. Oh, yeah. And, and uh, you know, the thing about the thing about having a, a ham license as a kid, I, I told my son, I said, this is something you can put on your resume, you know, mm-hmm. and and something else that would that would to go along with that call sign on your resume that that could actually throw a lot of weight is the fact that you are the recipient of the young ham of the year award. Or the Hiram Percy Maxim, or any of these others that uh, that, that exactly. celebrate youth and amateur radio. You know, I told my son, I said, you could, the guy who's doing the hiring, could have three great candidates, and it, he could be to the point to where you know what, I, I could put all three of these applications up on the wall, close my eyes, spin around three times, throw a dart, and be happy with all of them. But if this, the guy who's doing the hiring, let's say his dad was a ham or he's a ham, or he knows of ham radio and knows what that's all about, and you're the one with the call sign and those other two aren't, guess who's got the leg up? The one with the call sign. So it, it could be could be a game changer. My son uh, has his ham ticket now. He, he doesn't operate, but he's got it. Um, he mm-hmm. talks to me occasionally, you know, at a ham fest on an HT. But he, um, you know, the guy that he works for, he he's, he's, does IT help desk. He's been doing that for about a year now. 
right out of right out of college, a two year college. And uh, one of the guys that's way up high that he works with is a ham. And so my son, as a as a IT help desk guy, IT help desk guys normally don't get the opportunity that he did. His boss came to him and said, hey, I've got to go out to Corona, California and uh, look at the installation of a new IT uh, of a new IT center. I want you to come with me. Hmm. Normally, IT help desk guys don't get those opportunities, but he nope. did. And I don't know if it's because he got he has his ham ticket or not, or just that he's just a really qualified and well liked employee and does his job really well. Um, but, you know, having that ham ticket could mean the difference between getting a job or getting an opportunity and not. And certainly having that young ham of the year on, on your resume as well certainly won't hurt. Good no, deal. Good deal. Please help. do it. You all know somebody or somebody totally. knows somebody. Start talking about it and share that website, uh, arnewsline.org, and let people know. Yep. Want to get these? And Monday uh, is the deadline. Monday, Monday midnight Holy Eastern cow. Come is on. the deadline. Yeah, it's time. Two days. It's, yeah, it's time to do it. My thanks to Don AE5DW and uh, of course Sidecar Steve. We've kept you here too long now. We're getting into the uh, the sort of uh, it's not quite supper time, but uh, you got to have a good lunch. And we're getting yeah. toward that time where peer, people start to be irritable, and they'll be like, "They do I like say the one Paul more Brown." Thing that you guys, you guys touched on um, earlier about it being Memorial Day weekend. Um, yeah, for by all means, remember what that means, and remember those who gave their life for this country so that we could all be free. Thankfully, um, my my dad uh, was a World War II veteran. He served in the Pacific Theater, and thankfully. He came home. I should say my adopted dad because I'm adopted. And uh, just recently, within the last three or four years, I have met my birth family. And although he's not my biological dad, he is the husband of my birth mother. And he came back from uh, the Marines in Vietnam. And I'm so thankful that, that, A, Archie Wilbanks came back from World War II and was my dad until he passed away. And I'm really thankful that I have uh, Ron as my bonus dad. And uh, uh, nice. yeah, and so, you know, if you know a veteran, uh, Veterans Day is the day that we remember those that live. But Memorial Day is those that who gave the ultimate price, obviously. But if you if there's, if there's a veteran in your life, let them know that you're thinking about them as well. I think it's, it's just always a good idea. And anytime I, I'm out and I see somebody with a Vietnam hat on or, or a, you know, a, a hat from a, a, some Navy ship or or any type of veterans hat on, I always walk up to them and, and, and thank them for their service and, and, and do that. Not just today or Veterans Day, but every day of the year. Let them know that they're appreciated and that uh, the sacrifices that they made um, are noticed and that are appreciated. Cheers to all of those uh, that did it, who went out there and did it, put their life on the line and gave uh, their life. We appreciate you and think about you this weekend as we're here. Enjoy these freedoms. So thank you guys. As, uh, for as that. We, this is a U.S. centric, but also for anybody in your country, your home country. Right. Thank your veterans for serving. Right. That uh, that's right because they serve they serve you and yeah. the citizens of your uh, your country. Thanks to every all the veterans and. Uh, for your service and especially to the ones that you know made the ultimate sacrifice yeah yeah all right brothers and sisters take care of yourselves look out for each other and by all means oh join us tomorrow night hopefully don you'll be around you can check into the net we'll be running tomorrow we live stream it as well so uh 
we'll be out here, 7 o'clock Central Time, uh, making some contacts. Hopefully the sun will be kind and she will give us a little bit of propagation tomorrow. A little more than Don and I had last night on 80 and 20. But Yeah, it's pretty feeble. What are you going to do? What are you going to yeah. do? She's uh, messing with you. She wins. She's the boss. Yeah. Enjoy your lunch and your day, and uh, and we'll catch up with you later. And by all means, if you can, please try and stay above the noise. 73, friends. Take care, y'all. To join the 100 Watts in a Wire community, visit 100wattsinawire.com.